Brilliant. Thank you, Linda, very much indeed. If you've got your Bibles, do keep them open there uh, at uh, that passage. That's what we're going to be thinking about just for a few minutes. Just a quick word of background for the whole of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and and 9. The Apostle Paul is organizing a a collection of money from the the wealthy Gentile churches that he's planted around Asia Minor. uh, And and it's a gift for the much poorer church in Jerusalem uh, from where the gospel came. Uh, He wants to support those Christian brothers and sisters and he wants to see the gospel work flourishing everywhere uh, in, 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 in the world. And he's writing to this church in Corinth, uh, which was a large, wealthy, commercial center, a place that had lots of money. The church there was full of gifted, talented, uh, well-heeled people. They had much to give and much to offer. And it seems that when the collection started, they'd done a really good job. They were the, one of the first to sort of offer some money and, 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 uh, and, and give some money. But it seems that their giving has dried up. It seems that they sort of haven't been actioning what they said they would do. And, and so Paul, who, who doesn't mind a bit of straight talk, and he doesn't mind a bit of friendly competition, uh, uh, is, is, is holding up the Macedonian churches in front of them to say, maybe you could be like them to this uh, relatively wealthy, comfortable congregation there in Corinth. And so he says, verses one and two, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Rich generosity. These these churches, they're, they're, they're in poverty, they're facing trials, but they see and know God's grace at work, and it has led them to be people of grace and generosity. And Paul says, what about you, Corinth, in your relative wealth and ease and comfort? What about you? How are you going to do? And he, he, he tells them, he gives them these sort of, I think, three principles for Christian giving in, in, in these, just in these first three, uh, four verses, in verses three to five. And here's, here's one. Uh, the, the, he's saying, give sacrificially. So verse three, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in this rich generosity. Four, he says, verse three, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. As much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Uh, you see, this is giving that hurts, says Paul, the Macedonian Christians are showing. You might remember the passage where Jesus is sitting outside the temple with his disciples, and they're watching people go into the temple, and outside the temple is a big temple treasury, and people would be coming in, and they'd be putting big bags of money, the sort of wealthy people, and they're probably making it really obvious they were putting big bags of money in, so, so you could see, and, and, uh, and they're watching, and then uh, a poor widow, do you remember, comes and, and she puts in just two tiny coins, And Jesus gathers his disciples in and says, that's giving. In fact, he says, what's his words? He says, says, uh, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus was saying, here's your example of sacrificial devotion, disciples. Do you see this widow? And Paul is holding up the Macedonian Christians and saying, here, Corinth, this is, this is your model uh, of sacrificial giving. Give sacrificially, that seems to be the principle of, of Macedonia. Uh, secondly, give willingly, verse 4. They, entirely on their own, we read, they urgently pleaded with us 
for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. Imagine that. I wonder how you react when, when an email comes into your intray or a leaflet comes through the door or one drops out of a newspaper and it's, a, it's from a charity fundraiser and it, they want some of your money. And I don't know about you, I'm afraid my heart sometimes sinks and then my finger reaches for the delete button or for the recycling box. It's, my, it's a, almost a natural instinct because lots come at you. Uh, well, here with the, the Macedonians, you know, remarkably, rather than the fundraiser begging the would-be donor to contribute, here it is the would-be donor, the least able to afford it, who's begging to be able to contribute and give uh, to this collection. Do you see, they have to plead with Paul to be, have the privilege of being involved in, in giving to, to the Jerusalem collection. And, and I think they have to plead with Paul because one of Paul's principles, his aims, is, is equality. You know, he wants the basic needs of Christians to be met everywhere, whether it's in Jerusalem or in Macedonia. He doesn't want those who are already struggling financially to be put into further financial difficulty. And that's clear in, in verse 13, isn't it? If you, look at, if you look further down, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Paul doesn't want people putting themselves into poverty, and he's aware that those Macedonian Christians were already quite poor, but they pleaded with him to be involved. He's holding up their hearts. They so long to give to God's work. They saw it as a privilege, and they gave willingly. And Paul holds them up as an example to the Corinthian Christians and, and maybe to all of us who find it quite hard to, to let go of our, our cash. He makes the point again there in, in verse 12. He says, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has, not according to what one does not have. See, if the willingness, God is looking at the willingness of the heart, the, the wallet is not nearly as important as the willingness uh, to God. And I think that's an important principle for those who, who are not in a position to give much or maybe anything at all financially, especially on a day like this when we're encouraging people to think and pray and give generously. Uh, you know, maybe your situation financially is very tight and you are not able to, to do that. I know there are some here who who's, you know, come and their spouse doesn't. They don't have a decision-making responsibility over the household budget are not on their own and, and so are not able to, to give. They, their heart would like to, but, but they're not able to. because uh, and, and that's fine. And that is because God sees the heart and he's more care, concerned about the willingness uh, than the, the, the size of the gift. And it's important to do that. So we don't people anyone thinking guilty. Oh, I, I'd love to give, but my husband doesn't come to church and he's not a Christian and I can't choose how to give them the money and he wouldn't, you know, that's... That's okay. So uh, give sacrificially, give willingly. That's the, the, these principles that the Macedonians are displaying. Here's the third one, though, and this is the most important of all. Uh, they give themselves. At verse 5, do you see that? And they exceeded our expectations, says Paul. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So it's important to say when we, when we think about money that, um, and our giving to God that, of course, God doesn't need our money. You know, we, we have a 35K deficit, that's, that's true, but God doesn't need our money because he's got everything. We said that right at the start, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
talks about the, 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 he owns the gold in every mine, the cattle on every hill. God has everything he needs. Uh, we can't do him a favor by giving him money back, or if we do, it's only what, we, what he's given us already. Um, and, and it's important to get that. You know, we, we, we're not going to give God a favor by, by writing a check or by putting a, making a pledge or by making a standing order. It's a good thing if it comes from the heart, but, it, but we don't, God doesn't need that. What God wants, firstly and primarily, above all things, is our hearts, it's our, our worship, our whole lives, giving over to him in their entirety. That's what we've made for, for a relationship with God, uh, to humble ourselves under his mighty hand and give everything we are to him. So giving to money to God in a detached way, as a kind of economic transaction, that can be a dangerous thing. It can generate a sense of pride or self-righteousness, that somehow I've got myself into God's good books because I've done this and I've given that. Uh, sometimes it's worse than not giving at all. You know, God wants our hearts, and then, only then, everything else flows from that. One commentator writes of this verse, um, he says, Paul had expected a purely pragmatic response to his appeal. How much is in the budget, Mr. Treasurer? Are there any big bills to pay this month? How much can we afford? But the Macedonian attitude was quite different. He says it took him quite by surprise. Instead of the calculated thriftiness of an accountant, they had demonstrated the almost irrational extravagance of a lover. It was not the money that they were contributing, it was themselves. It wasn't just the church in Jerusalem they gave to, says Paul, it was to the Lord. God is much more interested in our hearts than he is in our wallets. He wants us to be extravagant lovers. Would you describe yourself as an extravagant lover? Don't ask Debbie, okay, what she say, whether she say I was an extravagant lover. That would be a, definitely a no to the answer. Uh, but I, I, would, I would like to be more. And, and Anyway, that's another subject for another time. Um, but in our response to the Lord, are we extravagant lovers as individuals before the Lord? Do we love Jesus? Uh, are we extravagant lovers as a church? Wouldn't it be great to be a church full of extravagant lovers in this sense? Wouldn't it be great if Paul could write verse 5 about Christ church. You know, they didn't do as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then their gifts for God's work in keeping with God's will. That's the first thing. God wants our hearts. He wants us. And the Macedonians had done that in such a vivid way. He holds them up for, for the Corinthians to see. I have a dear friend who, um, who makes me often think of these Macedonian Christians or that woman that Jesus pointed to um, outside the temple treasury. Uh, her name's um, Maureen. She's, she's not a widow, but uh, she's not wealthy. She lives in social housing. Um, she doesn't have a lot of things, a lot of possessions, but her, her heart is so big. And, and she's like a magnet to those in need because her heart's so big. And, and adults with learning disabilities and others in social need, they, they all find Maureen, or she finds them. And... Uh, uh, and she's someone who just loves to give. She, 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 she goes without so others can have. She can't really help herself. She's that sort of person, you know, and, and I think sometimes she drives her husband, certainly, and her family a bit mad because she keeps just sort of giving stuff away. I remember coming to me one day and saying, oh, John, do you know, do you know anyone who, who might have a, a wardrobe they're getting rid of? And I, 
And I thought, well, you know, she's obviously looking for a wardrobe for her next door neighbour for, for somebody else. And she said, well, uh, and she said, well, there was a neighbour who needed one, and, and I've given them mine, and now all my clothes are out on chairs in the bedroom, and George is a bit worried. And, uh, and so, um, you know, anyone who's got a wardrobe. Uh, you know, my ministry with Maureen was, was most of the time trying to stop her giving things away, uh, to give her permission to say no, because she found that difficult. But really, I never wanted to do anything that would change her big, compassionate heart that just loved to give, uh, or to limit her, her willing, sacrificial uh, giving. And in fact, I, I've always wanted to be more like her. That's been, she's been the living example of the Macedonians and, the, and of, of that widow. You see, at the heart of her giving to others, though, is that she had given herself to the Lord in wholehearted, 100% devotion. She knew Jesus. She loved Jesus. She would not stop talking about Jesus. I mean, that's what drove her family mad as well, uh, as well as giving stuff away. Uh, she would not give it away without talking about Jesus and all that Jesus had done for her. See, she was full of Jesus. She is full of Jesus. I didn't talk about it in the past tense. Uh, she, she loves him and is, knows that she is loved by him. And that's why right at the heart of this passage, and we, I hope you haven't missed it, and it's, it's this wonderful truth which Keith pointed out last week, is that amazing verse in verse 9 that Paul includes there right at the center. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the heart of our face, isn't it? That Jesus leaves the riches and the glory and the splendor of heaven and he is born into a, uh, into a world which is dark and dangerous. Uh, he's born in, into, into impoverished circumstances, into a poor and dirty manger. We think of his life, he's wandering, he's homeless. He hasn't got a home of his own. Uh, he's then betrayed and beaten and falsely accused and then hung on a cross. The king of glory is willing to, to leave his riches uh, to become poor. And why? Because though he was rich for your sakes, for my sake, for our sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. Rich not materially, all of us, and that's not for which, what he came but we have become unbelievably rich in Christ. Maureen knows that. She's not, she's not got much material wealth at all, but in many ways she is richer than Bill Gates will ever be because she has a relationship with a very uh, living God who owns all things. And, and so it's true, every person who comes to know Jesus, you're, you're a son or daughter of the living God. You can walk uh, through, through life knowing that you are the child of the king of the universe, the one who owns everything. You know, your sins are forgiven, your conscience is cleansed. You can walk in freedom. The very Spirit of God is put into your heart and comes and lives and empowers you for, for life. Uh, you've given a certain hope uh, of, of glory for all eternity. Uh, all these things, they're a gift of grace. They're a gift because Jesus left his glory to come to the cross. And, and you know, the Macedonians, they got hold of this. It grabbed their hearts. And my friend Maureen knows this. Jesus had captured her heart. And their giving is an overflow of, of grace that they've known in Jesus. And you know, Paul wanted the Corinthian Christians to know that for themselves. God wants us to know that in our own hearts, to be captivated and captured by Jesus. 
You know, this, is a, uh, this is our annual gift day, but this is an everyday thing. Okay? As we get up in the morning, every morning, before we think about what can I do for God, what can I do for him today, how am I going to give for him, how can I use my gifts for him, all important questions, the first thing we remember is what he has done for us, what Jesus has done for us, and allow our hearts to be enlarged and expanded and our vision for Jesus filled so that as we daily meditate on Christ, he then shapes our hearts to say, now, Lord, use me, help me to serve you today. Jesus is our, our focus here at Christ Church. And, and so if you are a visitor or if you're not yet there at putting your trust in Jesus, you haven't known him as your friend and your savior and your Lord, uh, can I encourage you to look to him? You know, to talk to a friend, take a, a Bible away with you so you can look at Jesus. It's not too late to come to the Real Lives, Real Jesus uh, Wednesday evening little series that we're doing. Uh, come and think about more, a bit more about Jesus. Uh, I pray that you might choose to follow him and then be captured by him, by his love for you, that that would transform your life to be able to be a person of grace and giving. Well, that might be you. It may be that most here, I think, probably, are those who already have come to know Jesus. Oh, our hearts could always grow more. We could be captured more by his love. We could be shaped more by him, and I pray that that would be the, the case. But in our response to Jesus, uh, we want to do something a bit practical today with a, a bit of a physical response, and uh, the children are going to join us in, in a few moments. But um, it, it's, uh, let me explain how it's going to work. And I'm kind of keen for this to be something a bit joyful. Um, uh, you know, money can be very sort of serious, it can be quite solemn and so on, but, but this is a joyful thing. And certainly when Demi and I lived in Brazil, uh, every service, there would be at least 20 minutes. I mean, they had a sort of two and a half hour service. So if you think this service is a bit long, that's, you know, think about what they do in Brazil. And in Africa, parts of Africa, the cost of service is much longer than that still. So, so anyway, um, so in Brazil, they'd, every service, they'd, they'd have at least 20 minutes where, um, where the band would play and there'd be music sung and people would come up with sort of dancing and singing and they'd come to the front and they'd, and they'd place their gifts, whether it was tiny or big, it didn't really matter, they'd, they'd just come and they'd, they'd give their giving to, uh, it won't be for a few minutes, Linda, so don't tell them quite yet to come. Uh, not, not quite yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, when they, um, and, and, and it was just part of the joyful giving. I was, in, I was privileged of going to Uganda three or four years ago and, and it was similar, much smaller church than we were in Brazil, but, but, but they would come, there'd be music, there'd be singing, and some would bring money, and some would bring mangoes, and someone brought a chicken, and, and it, was, it was just wonderful. There was a, just a joy and a celebration in God's goodness and in responding to God's goodness. And so in a sense, that's what we want to have a bit of joy in this, in this response. Uh, we're in Surbiton, so I'm not expecting mangoes or chickens or even dancing, but I know Anil likes to dance and others like to dance, so feel free if you've got a mango in your pocket or if you want to dance, when we get to this moment, we can, we can dance uh, and sing and enjoy. How are we going to do this? You should have been given two cards on the way in. If you haven't got both of those cards, then you might want to put your hand up and one of the welcome team will bring you one of those and you need a pen. Um, you're going to keep one of those, take it away with you, and you're going to bring one of these up to the front and hand it in and give it to the Lord uh, as, you, as the music plays. There's a box on, they're exactly the same on the side, on, the, on one side. And um, what we want you to do is, is fill in whichever is appropriate for you. You'll see that the first one or two don't commit you to anything. Well, the first one doesn't commit you to anything, just commits you to saying, I am thankful to God for all that I have. Second one says, I, I want to 
use my gifts and the time and talents and treasure I have for the Lord, but doesn't commit you to doing anything specific. Second two, the last, uh, next two, make it a bit more clear and obvious. You're going to increase your, your standing order, or you're going to start a standing order, you're going to pledge that. Uh, or, or the fourth one is you, you're going to pledge to make a one-off financial gift for God's work at Christ Church. Uh, the last one is, again, a slightly more general one about time and talents to serve here at Christ Church. The first one, particularly, the first two are particularly appropriate for visitors. Uh, the last three are particularly more appropriate for those who are, uh, are here as members of Christ Church. Um, there's space, as you can see, on, on this one that you're going to give in here for putting your name and contact details. If you want to do that, you don't have to do that. But that's if, particularly if you wanted a conversation with the, with the treasurer or find out a bit more specifically about the finances, then you can put your details on there. Uh, there isn't a place for a specific quantity or amount. You can put that in if you like, because there's a lot of room. So there's a lot of zeros can fit on there. If you want to put the, the number in, but you don't have to put a number in, uh, you, can, you can do uh, that. Um, and the idea is that... Uh, you, you're going to take away this white one. So fill them both in, this is the same, and then you're going to take away the white one because on the white backside there's, a, there's an action card and that's how you're going to fulfill the pledge that you're making today. I mean, if you're really tech savvy and you've got a phone, you can, you can do the QR code and you could actually make a donation in the next few minutes, that's fine. Uh, if you want to put stuff into the plate as well as a card, you're very welcome to do that. Any gold watches are fine. No, no, you can. Any, anything in there is fine. If you, um, if you want to use a card, there's a, we've got a machine, and Neil's going to be at the back later on. You can use that uh, later on too. So there's lots of sorts of ways to doing it today or responding today, but then actioning it uh, during this week. Uh, and, and then, um, which is why you're going to take a wear card to make sure you remember, because it's easy to make a pledge today, isn't it? And then busyness of life, we forget tomorrow. So, so. So I hope that's clear. I mean, that's, that's how we're going to do it. The children are going to come out in a moment uh, when the, after, after we've had a few moments of quieter music just to reflect. And when we start singing the song, they're going to come out and join the families. And then we'd like everyone to come up if they can. You might have one or two who you're not um, able to, you're not fully mobile. You could give it to somebody else or just coming to the front and I'll take it up to the front. We've put the table plate right at the back, up the top there, because not because it's anywhere more holy than anything else in a building. We know that, don't we? There's no more holy places in a building or in any building. But it's not many people go up there. I don't know if you, you may not have ever gone up to that, that top bit of the building. So, so uh, the plate is up there and it makes it a bit of a longer journey. And if you like dancing, you can dance all the way up there, but you don't have to. Okay, no, no, you can, if you're English, you can just want to walk, you know, like that soberly. That is fine too. Um, and I say, if, you, if you're not able, maybe come, just come to the front and, and I'll be able to take it up to you if, if you can't get up steps or if you'd rather stay where. If you want to stay where you are, you don't have to do this, by the way. You know, you can just stay as the music plays. You can just join in the singing. That's fine as well. No pressure. Uh, this is just an opportunity to respond in a, in a physical way. Uh, so I hope that's clear. Um, in a moment, the, music, the band will play some quiet music for two or three minutes uh, where you have a chance to pray and reflect and fill in your card. Uh, it's where you can do it as a couple, you can do it as a come up together, you can do it individually. Uh, and, then, and then when the band starts singing, then we'll join in with the singing. If you could just put a face covering on as you come up, that would be really kind for those, um, for those of us who, who are a bit concerned. And if we just sort of stay, go up on the left and come back on the, on, down on the left, so we'd make a little bit of a circle uh, up to the, to the plate. Uh, I think that's everything. I hope that's clear. Uh, I want to lead us in a prayer uh, before we come to this time of 
reflection and response. Let's remember God is calling us first to give our hearts, to give ourselves before we give our money. And we do it motivated by the very grace of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Let's, let's pray. Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace to us in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are rich because of him. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, that we would be those captivated by him, that we would give of our whole selves, and then we would give of our gifts sacrificially and willingly, cheerfully and joyfully, so that Jesus receives all the honor and the glory as his work continues through us here at Christ Church, here in Surbiton and this part of the world and, and then across the globe through our mission partners. So Holy Spirit, come amongst us, we pray, that lead our hearts in this time of response. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just two or three minutes.